Welcome to the Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He's Jordan McNamara. We share our dynasty research, experience, acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock those ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Big three thoughts opening the show. Let's start with Cam Akers being talked up by Sean McVay, central piece of the offense. They made a move for uh, Sony Michelle as well. So this is a backup situation where we don't have a good feel, but Sony Michelle get, comes into the fold. Cam Akers feels like for three years in a row, he's been in critical seasons, Jordan. Uh, so this is one that is the offense going to change a lot. Is he going to get targets? Is he going to get goal line? This has not been an efficient offense for running backs. And frankly, it's Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, and then what? Cam Akers is hoping it's going to be him. He's got to tr- start thinking about his long-term NFL prognosis here for new contracts. He's getting to the end of his rookie deal. What do you take from this news being talked up by Sean McVay? I'm, it's pretty muted to me. Uh, I just, you look at this backfield and it just doesn't produce running back points, right? They ranked 32nd expected points last year. They ranked 32nd expected points per play last year. Uh, and this has been a consistent feature of that offense, right? They just don't incorporate uh, the running backs in the passing game sufficiently, right? They were 29th in, in targets per drop back last year, right? It's just not a good, it's not a very lucrative for all we think about this offense and, and the quality of the coach and, and everything. The one thing that it hasn't done is produce high level uh, running back stuff, at least in the really post girly range of uh, of this offense. So uh, I I'm a little dubious um, and I just like they bring in Sony Michelle. Right? I don't know how much of a threat that is. Uh, we covered that as well on the uh, on the Patreon show this week. So you can go check that out as well. Um, I, Cam Akers has every incentive this year because he's going into a contract year, but I don't know if I'm going to really rely on him being the centerpiece of this offense. And even if that's true, I'm not sure how uh, difference making it is. Cam Akers has two different things going on in my head because the first one is the analytical side. When I start running comps and looking at career arcs and all these future casting, I can make the argument he's one of the most disappointing ones at running back of any notable running back, not all 100 or I did or whatever, but just of the most notable 30, 40, 50 of them. I can make an argument he's the worst one in terms of how that came out. But then the other part of my brain goes, well, he's going to get every chance to be a starter. That comes with requisite production. Even if you fall on your face, even if it's a bad offense and you're performing poorly, you're going to be what? Top 36, top 40 running back and probably higher than that. He's got young legs and again, it's going to be higher than that. But what's the ceiling? I think that's a legitimate question. And he's still someone valued in the top 25 or 30 of the position. And so you have out. What that means is you has you have outs. He's not some 28-year-old where you're like, oh, he's going to be the starter. No one is excited about him. I mean, he's going, he's going what, 10 running back spots ahead of guys like maybe James Conner in your startup draft or the trade market, Alvin Kamara. Uh, you know, he's going decent, you know, around the same zone as someone like Aaron Jones, right? You know, maybe a little a little lower, but the point is, like, you're in a radius of getting more projectable, strong production, and by you holding Cam Akers right now, you're saying no. So, I this is my I always say, if you hold a player and you're left holding the bag, it's on you, because it's all off season, week one, whatever. You have a chance every moment to make a dynasty trade, and if you didn't shop, if you didn't pivot, uh, you didn't arbitrage up or down, then it's on you. If Akers gets hurt, if he produces 
like the running back 28 as an NFL starter, that's a train wreck outcome for the first month of the season. So I think this is a be careful situation because I don't know if the upside, even if he is the starter, he is healthy. The Rams, Stafford goes out, train wreck. Cooper Cup goes out, maybe that's a train wreck. Cam Akers gets hurt. Does he rebound at 20, 20, 24, 25 years old? You have to be careful of all these risk factors. Yeah, I mean, he's going ahead of guys like Alexander Madison. He's going ahead of guys like David Montgomery, uh, who both are on extensions. And he's sort of, I mean, the, the arc of Cam Akers has been incredible. But the they fact shot that them, he, right? And it's like, yeah. he ended up, bat- I think we, we sweeped that under the rug, right? He was yes. close to being moved. They didn't find the market they wanted. And it's like, oh, I guess we'll keep him. And they started giving him touches again. So he wasn't in the doghouse or anything, but it's like they were actively open to moving him. Yeah, and it seemed like he was in the doghouse and they, they benched him. Right. And they, and then he's back. Right. Now they're talking him up and now he's going to be a 2024 breakout. Okay. Yeah. It's just a, it's a wild, wild ride. Uh, But you know, that's not necessarily a ride I want to be on. If I can take guys like Alexander Madison and David Montgomery and, uh, and James Conner at a cheaper, and in the case of James Conner, much, much cheaper price. News item number two, out of the Bengals camp, uh, the end game, uh, this is a, a write-up quote, the end game will be about whether or not Joe Mixon is willing to realign his, his big cap hit as well as cash in the current state of the running back market. If he's not, Bengals will probably tap into the veteran uh, part of the position. His situation hasn't even come to a head yet. So Joe Mixon, talk about range of outcomes here of he could be the starter for a vibrant offense, could be another top eight to 10 producer this year, or you know, what if the numbers don't work? What if he doesn't restructure? What if uh, there's a number of what if scenarios here and it makes the backup situation, which is very muddy, uh, pretty interesting, but Mixon himself is a workhorse profile that if things align, he's a value right now within the position. Yeah, he's their third highest cap hit right now. They could save almost $7.3 million by cutting him. Again, next year, the contract gets even like more favorable to cut him. So you know, maybe there's something there where they restructure it and they guarantee him something in into next year, something to that effect. But listen, they're gonna have to pay T well, they're gonna have to pay Joe Burrow, they're gonna have to pay Jamar Chase. There's an open question about whether or not they're gonna pay uh uh T. Higgins, right? That's a I think that's a question. And you have to start you're gonna have to start making some choices on this roster. Are can you afford to pay Joe Mixon twelve point eight million dollars in cap this year and thirteen point one next year? The next year is probably a clear no. This year is a, they could, but it just all depends on other contracts, like you're saying, and what that outlay is at at present. It's interesting, though. They don't take dead cap hits. This team does not take dead cap hits. And when I say they don't take dead cap hits. (laughs) They don't. Their (laughs) dead cap money from this year is $593,000. The next closest team to them is the uh, LA Chargers at... 2.1 2.1 million. Okay. Um, and by contrast, the Buccaneers, $75.3 million. So like you look at that, there's a ton of, of you listen, to, you listen to NFL shows and all they talk about is how the Bengals don't play players. They're not going to take dead. They, their cash outlay. They view it like an absolute cutthroat business. Now, obviously they're going to pay Joe Burrow. You know, they're going to pay Jamar chase Higgins is worthwhile, you know, but like we're talking about ancillary stuff. They just don't do. So based on that, Jordan, would you say if there's no restructure, he's on this team? Like if it actually push comes to shove, what's the, I mean, what's the, the dead cap on, on, on Mixon right now? Uh, the dead cap on Mixon would be $5.5 5 million. 
Uh, right. So Which that would push them from 7X, basically... 8X, yeah, what they currently have. Right. It would push them from being the 32nd ranked team to the, like... 29th ranked team, right? Like yeah. It's not that much of a And they love the title. They love the trophy. Yeah. They want to be yeah. 32 of 32. So, <laughs> um, uh, But it's interesting. Like, I've thought for a while that, th- that Mixon was a potential cut candidate. But they've done nothing to really right. uh, put him at risk, right? They've done nothing to say that they're going to credibly move on from him. They drafted Chase Brown, but it was like an, a, an inconsequential, relatively speaking, selection in their draft. Trevion Williams has been with the team for a little bit. Chris Evans, same thing. Yeah. But no one it, like but no one to really challenge, right? I mean, you wouldn't view any of those guys like we caught Mixon tomorrow and we feel like we got ninety percent of Joe Mixon. They've talked up Trevion Williams in a way that makes me kind of yeah. like, hmm. But not in a way that's like, hey, week one starter. It's more, hey, I think he, he could win, win the running back job. two job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but then you wonder like if they cut him, is is Fournette an option, right? Is is this a Zeke team? Right. But you have to yeah. combine the the dead cap plus what they're paying the other guy. It probably isn't going to be that much money though, right? Like that probably right. cutting Mixon plus Fournette is probably less than what Mixon's number is this year by yes. maybe a couple million dollars. So right. I could see that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just think it's it's well, going to be honestly this is another yeah. situation though because right now we can't see what's the Fournette outcome, what's the Zeke outcome, you know, that makes it uh, a huge value boon. But this is one angle. Right. This is why you hold or draft those players late in your draft. You hold them in the leagues where you have them. You get them as cheap add-ons because a developing situation or an August injury, but Mixon is beyond the, if an injury occurs, this could be, like you just said, they're doing basic math of like, you know, we're going to pay 2 million to Leonard Fournette and we're going to cut, uh, you know, Mixon. So we're paying 7 million instead of 12 million for a veteran running back. And we think they're, they're pretty much the same. Right. That could be the calculus if this gets all the way to Cincinnati camp. And again, this situation hasn't even come to a head yet. So it it doesn't seem like their DNA is going to be cut him. But you're, you're saying this could be a special case that the numbers actually work out, that it makes prudent sense to take on dead cap because you're just kind of rolling that into a much cheaper veteran contract if Mixon doesn't play ball. And by the way, he's got pending criminal charges, right? He does have a pending misdemeanor. Uh, a menacing type case that that he uh, threatened someone with a handgun that, if that frankly step, hasn't been that talked about. Right. If that takes a step sideways on him, then that could be all they need to kind of move on and say, well, the numbers make sense. And how about we wipe our hands of this situation, which could, you know, come to a head as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and Trevion Williams, just bookkeeping. He's out there in some leagues. So you might want to take a shot on that as opposed to paying maybe 305 for Chase Brown. You might want to get, you know, a different probability bet. Um, and, Chris Evans is out there too. I think he's going to be second or third in that. Like he has the lowest odds of winning that job. So, um, you know, he, he's one that is out there, but I would rather get Travion Williams at the same price. Third item here in the big three, Jake Ferguson, likely to start by some reports. Luke Schoonmaker, plantar fasciitis, serious stuff, limited in OTAs. Jordan, I don't like these, these rookies that aren't getting reps because it doesn't make coaches all warm and fuzzy, especially about a low progressing, a slow pos- uh, progressing position and one that you need every single rep. If you're going to be an early season or week one starter, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting uh Dalton Schultz vibes that you have an incumbent in house and Blake Jarman had some injuries, didn't quite have the momentum of playing time and reps and all that. And it, it seems like with Schoonmacher, even with day round two pedigree, it's not trending the right way. It's early. But man, every rep counts at tight end. 
Yeah, it's sample size small on Jake Ferguson last year, only 105 routes, uh, but he was Pretty targeted on 20 point, uh, 20, on 21% of them, 1.66 yards per route run. So productive, again, yeah. low, uh, low participation, only ran routes on 17% of their dropbacks. But a guy that was interesting coming in and drops in price because they get Schoonmaker. We're not in love with the Schoonmaker uh, profile coming in to the NFL. Again, he's drafted with good pedigree, so you kind of have to readjust your priors there. But I keep coming back to the fact that I think Ferguson could be the better player. And he's going to get this opportunity. Again, this feels like that Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin conundrum from a few years ago uh, where it you know, Ferguson could, could win this against the much uh, more, uh, you know, uh, uh, assumptive or reclaimed right. profile. Right. Yeah. The, the much more appreciated profile, you know, the much, the much uh, flashier profile, I guess, in terms of uh, dynasty as well. Yeah. And, and we've seen again, the highest level of this was Mark Andrews benefiting from the, the Hayden Hurst injury, you know, and just uh-huh. running with that job, Hayden Hurst Myers around, had some more injuries and then he's out of the, you know, he's still a functional NFL starter. We've seen that now at one stop and now probably two stops, but uh, that round one pedigree still didn't beat out Mark Andrews, who was a phenom. And again, there's some, some good metrics there for, um, for Jake Ferguson coming out of year one that points to should get more opportunities. Now, is that in a committee role? Is that as an ancillary guy? But a schoonmaker injury, that, that can be all it takes. So I, I really like him as a stash in those premium formats, especially a lot of times people don't appreciate it in, in a 2 PPR, where Ferguson probably never got dropped beyond a certain point um, and, and isn't available in start two. But in, in 2 PPR, he might be accessible as an add-on to some some other trades. All right, I wanted to nominate Jamar Chase in Did I Get Enough This Week? You know, we've got a rotation of players. We'll come back to Mahomes, don't worry. Uh, but Jamar Chase is another one where we've talked about Justin Jefferson, but I, here's a spicy one because I wanted to pick Jordan's brain because Kyler Murray is getting into a price point where you've talked about him, you know, casually and officially uh, a few different times as the price has fallen about the Kyler Murray profile. This is Jamar Chase in Superflex for Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, and then a first, second, and third in 2024. If we fast forward a year, what's Kyler Murray's price going to be like? Let's assume he sits out this entire year. He gets back. I think the same principle that applied to Deshaun Watson is going to apply to Kyler Murray, which is he's going to be a first-round startup pick or right around that turn. Okay. And If he's moved from Arizona, if they pull another Josh Rosen where we go, we have 101 and we like this other guy. If he is moved from the Cardinals, does that affect the things you're going to currently say? Uh, no, because he signed this, you know, he signed, you know, we call it the Supermax. It's not that in the NFL, but we, that's what we call it. Uh, and that's going to be uh, marketable, right? He is a quarterback that while I think you and I can, can maybe be a uh, Kyler Murray skeptics to a degree, right? He's got, uh, multiple hits on his resume. He'll be 27 next year. He's the first overall pick, right? He signed a contract uh, that's worth, uh, you know, a uh, $271 million, I believe is the, the total, or maybe that was after his rookie season. I don't know. In total, right? A $250 million range, right? Two, uh, 230 is actually what they graded out as. You start looking at that and you're like, okay, that's, there's only a handful of those guys walking around. Now, some of that, is going to be, you know, we'll see in terms of 
the cap numbers and all that, how they make it fit uh, on a team trading for him. But there's going to be a market, right? And I think the market could be interesting too. Like you look at a team like uh, Atlanta, right? With a, a good set of weapons that he could come in right away and, and just drop onto if this team decides to go a different route at quarterback after this year. Uh, Minnesota is another team probably in need of a quarterback reset that I've seen him connected to, right? So you see some teams, I mean, even a team like Washington could be a team that would be interesting potentially in the market with a new owner, right? That wants to make a splash at quarterback, right? There will be teams that will be in the, uh, in the Kyler Murray market. So I'm not worried about that, like him, you know, kind of going the way of Baker Mayfield. I don't think that's really the case with him. The case with him is, you know, can he stay healthy and can he, you know, uh, get back to what he was, right? I think that's more the question with him. So I do think there's going to be a market for him. I think he gets back to that range. And then you say, okay, am I basically taking kind of a year off? And, uh, you know, it, it by him taking a year off discount, basically, but getting a first, second, and third to do it, like that's interesting, especially especially when you're giving up a wide receiver and super flex, right? Again, I, Jamar Chase is great, but you can you can solve wide receiver uh, much easier than you can solve a high-end quarterback. Well, especially if you're going into the season and you say, eh, if Chase was my cornerstone guy and I'm, I just don't feel as good moving everyone up a dial on my depth chart, you can spin that first, right? I mean, you can use that and probably get some really good profile of production in season. What if the Cooper cup owner falls out of it? You know, like uh, even if a first naked doesn't get it right now uh, and then you're banking Kyler Murray, obviously uh, you might get early in the season, a Colt McCoy starter two that you use uh, potentially. Um, but it sounds like, did you get enough for Jamar chase? And the answer is yes. Like Kyler in a first, and that's the real key. You know, it's not Kyler, a second, a third McCoy, some, some other nickel asset. You're actually getting that, that first, which can cure a lot of things, even if Kyler, you know, rabbit holes, you know, somewhere, you know, has a, one of those shark tails going through the water that you don't really like over the next six to 12 months. But like you said, even if he does not play, it's this, it sounds like to you, you're saying it's a similar bet to Deshaun Watson in terms of you're buying him at a QB 10 plus price at a point of depression. And you know that the wait time could be the entire 12 month term or longer until he actually gets too healthy and playing and a settled situation. Yeah. And the other thing too, like use some of our, our warp concepts, like apply some warp concepts to this. Even if Jamar chase is a top six guy, right? The difference between that and unless you're really the top one or two guys, right? He's in, he's plenty capable of doing that, but there's a lot of variance baked into that as well. Easier to arbitrage than the quarterback part. Way easier to arbitrage, right? And you can do it in a lot of different ways. You can go young or you could trade picks for, for Garrett Wilson. If you wanted Chris Olave, if you wanted, you could go older at the position, right? You could try and, uh, arb that with Ke- a guy like Keenan Allen at way cheaper, right? So again, this he be was an in ideal- the top. Yeah, Would this ahead. be an ideal situation, though, if you had a quarterback situation where, let's say, you gain Kyler Murray, and but you're you're walking into a situation where maybe you have Aaron Rodgers, maybe you have Geno mm-hmm. Smith, you know, within your top two spots, and you say, well, this could be something that they could be running out of the magic dust, whether that's retiring, whether that's uh, just not keeping up the play that we saw a year ago, and now Kyler Murray, that might be when he's back 
peaking in terms of he's back healthy. He's maybe in a new situation. He's running around, you know, and he's back to being a top 10 producer when he's on the field. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons from Superflex, the more we play it, right? It hasn't been, it feels like it's been the dominant format for a long time, but it really has only been four or five years where that's been the case. Um, I think when you, when you look at this, when there's a quarterback that drops in price, that's mid twenties, that's proven it right. That was up in the first round of startup pick valuations and they drop to third, fourth round of valuations. You have to be in on that. Right. I think that's the lesson, right? Like that's the lesson, lesson from Watson, right. And all the stuff, all the, all the hand wringing on Watson for over a year, he still went back to almost what he was and he played <laughs> poorly, right? Like I just, those, those profiles rebound. And so I just think, you know, again, Chase was a, a wide receiver three in per game scoring last year right, at uh, basically 20 and a half a game, right? I, I think you can get at that in a way that doesn't, you know, if you can put someone in there that scores 15, right? You haven't even lost a game, Right. And of what Kyler Murray can potentially add on, you know, going forward, right? That would be the way that I would do it. And I would say I'm willing to move off Chase for this cost because I think the payoff's really big. Yeah. We got one more dynasty trade. I will ask if you uh, limit your, if you have a bullet point or two on Rashad Bateman, you limit it to that because I want to flamethrow Rashad Bateman here. <laughs> but the trade is uh, super flex. We got Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, and a 24 second for Najee Harris. Give me Najee Harris, right? Look okay. at the press profiles. First round startup, first round running back, yeah. uh, led the league in receptions as a rookie uh, among running backs, right? That is a rare profile. I uh, was banged up last year and played through it, right? I don't think we necessarily realized how hurt he was, but played largely through it and comes back to an offense that, you know, there's a, there's a case to be made that Pickett could, you know, we see year one, year two growth from quarterbacks a lot. I think Pickett could be one of those guys. And all of a sudden, right, this offense could be much better, right? And I think that Najee Harris is a profile that you, know, you get you get a couple of hits under your belt as a first-round uh, running back, right? Those are pretty durable profiles historically, and he strikes me as that. You're not really trading anything. You know, what What are you losing? Like, what what's guaranteed on the other side of this? Not much, right? And I'll just turn the floor over to you for Bateman. <laughs> yeah, I, this is like three quarters for a dollar. And you can't trade away the best player in the deal when the best player coming back or the best asset is Rashad Bateman. You just can't do it. Um, he is one that, again, I like the profile coming out. Let's look at what's happened since. A couple of shoulder shrug finishes that uh, on an adjusted points per game basis, we're talking about a guy at 1.51 yards per outrun. That's not indicative of anything for his career. He's not like challenging for anything. He barely plays in the slot. So he's not getting easy targets, let's say. he has, One of the key metrics I look at is drop rate versus A dot. His drop rate is higher than his A dot number, which is basically expect a crater. Like if I were the Ravens looking at this, yeah, I'd be interested in Odell Beckham and draft Zay Jones in the first round too. Uh, Zay, Zay Flower, excuse me, in the first round too. They've, they've made notable additions since Rashad Bateman has been drafted. And they've doubled down even more this offseason. And this is not an offense with Mark Andrews, the wide receiver one. So how is Bateman going to have some massive breakout? The individual numbers don't say this. Then you say, well, level of competition among an elite tight end. Okay, that's horrible. Okay, it's going to rise the, raise the tide. 
Okay, well, Odell Beckham, if he's healthy, they gave him $15 million. They drafted another first-round wide receiver this year. Like, that is a lot of hedging for the, I mean, how do you? How can you possibly take this other than we don't trust Rashad Bateman? They're hitting us over the head, and yet dynasty owners are like, well, we're smarter than you, and, and we, he's a breakout guy. Okay, like, you can't even expect him to do better than he's done for the first two years, I don't think, in 2023. You got to be hyper careful. So I don't like this has to be, in my opinion, at least have a first round pick in there. I mean, Bateman and Tony are absolute flyers. Tony has at least done good things on a per route basis. Like he has at least said if he can be a more vibrant member of, you know, the funnel of a passing game, you can see it. You just blindly give more targets to Rashad Bateman. I don't know if that does anything. So Tony at least has been there in the higher levels of efficiency where you can see the perfect storm of him being an impact player. That's at least sellable in this deal. The Bateman part, the second part, whatever. Like Najee Harris is potentially a reincarnate of Josh Jacobs. And he's another one. Just uh, discount him away, discount him away. And guess what? This rebalances your portfolio too, right? You, you shed two wide receivers that might not do anything. Get one running back that you can trust in your lineup. Pretty good. Yeah, I dig all that. And by the way, Mark Andrews is the wide receiver one there. <laughs> like right. let's not let's not forget let's not forget that look at this way, you're, would... you're buying the two wide receivers at their price point right. you know i guess Rasheed rice you could throw him into this deal or or sky <laughs> Moore or whatever but the two offenses that drive through the tight end position baltimore and kansas city and you're going to buy right into that going wide receiver one's going to take their throne okay <laughs> right right careful i was i was data diving on mark andrews this week and you realize in his career pff has graded him for 24 pass blocking snaps which is the equivalent of what ben skoranek did last year which isn't a wide receiver wide receiver <laughs> playing in line in line tight end sometimes right it's just what amazing kyle pitts have? what does kyle pitts have offhand i don't know if you can see that but just like, uh i didn't look that one up i could he's a tight end actually playing wide receiver he might have to learn more than 24 yeah it, uh that's how much uh but Kelsey had 24 last year as well. So um, yeah. in his in no, Pitts' career, he's long. got 30 pass blocking snaps. In equivalence of what? A little more than a season in games played, probably. Yeah, he missed, 163 he targets, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And he plays legitimate wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, and as always, uh, we combined life and dynasty, looking for some lessons here. And Jordan, you are up this week. Yeah, so uh been getting out on the bike a little bit and uh got got a new bike and have been challenging myself to some new accomplishments. One of the things that I on my old bike didn't have was I had no way to really tell how powerful I was riding, right? And one of the key metrics is wattage, right, in terms of what my actual wattage output was. So I invested in a wattage meter, which is just pedals that'll tell you how how hard you're pressing them basically. And it's been great because one of the things that you realize is you're capable of different things, right? You're actually capable of more. And if you know what the number that you're riding at, right, you can kind of understand how long you can sustain that for. I think you and I had a conversation off air. Maybe it was even in an after hour show. Uh, there's a hill outside my house. I needed to go tackle it. I said, I think I can set the record up. It we'll have to see. Uh, I knew exactly how many Watts I needed to ride up it, rode up it and broke my record by eight seconds. So was able to really look at that and, you know, just by having all of the data available to me, I was able to test it against, you know, sometimes when you're riding, uh, you don't feel as good, right? You feel, you feel crummy, but if you look down, you can say, listen, I know I can sustain this number. I can push through this and I'll feel better or I'll be, I'll be capable of doing it. All those things will be fine. 
I apply that to dynasty as right. There will be a lot of gut feels, right? People will say, well, I really have a good feeling about this. I really have a good feeling about this. Or, you know, all, all the stuff that we talk about with roster construction, right? Of uh, people, well, I need to have a lot of young wide receivers for them to be, you know, to, to uh, be safe long-term. Right? When you actually apply data to the things that you feel, you start to learn things like, hey, maybe what I'm feeling isn't actually what, uh, what is reality, and what, what I'm feeling, I'm either I'm capable of something different or I can move in a different direction. So that's something that for me, right, no surprise that we're leaning into data, leaning it into it in Dynasty and in other parts of life. But I just think, you know, understanding uh, the data and what you're feeling, right, they can be two very different things. And it can really open your eyes to what you're capable of in both Dynasty and in real life. Yeah. The thing I thought of is how many times do people go through and track how they spent their waiver dollars? You know, like I love going through some leagues and, and and see who the high bidding players were. You can look in August, September, just look through the whole calendar. Who's going for big money. And I, what commonly themes back is the people that spend a lot of money on singular players. A lot of those don't work out, you know? So having the, the, the humble nature of, we get this wrong a lot the hot waiver guy or the hot waiver guy actually being on the waiver wire and not on somebody's roster. So that's why, you know, we talk about just making these preemptive dollar bet here. Oh, you might hold them for a couple of weeks. Ah, it goes away. Well, you only spent a dollar, you know, or, or, or 2%, 3%, 5%, you know, every once in a while you may go higher, but the point is look in your league. What are the actual results? What did you get from that? Or playing the running back game? Like actually look at uh, starters. You can do that on MFL. You can see how many times you started players. How many times was it not one of your obvious stud running backs that was in your lineup? How many total starts did you get last year? Look at these ancillary. This is trackable data that can be proof of concept. Or you might look at your league and be like, wow, the, the players that people went on all in on, Actually, I mean, it was somebody late August, early September. They gave them the whole year. They ended up being a dynasty asset the next offseason. Look at this information, and it may sh- uh, shape how you you bid on players in the future in your particular league, and it may differ from league to league on how aggressive people are with the with the bidding or the format. So, uh, yeah, the trackable data, there's a lot of unknowns, but I think we sweep some of the trackable things under the radar as like, ah, no one can ever know that. It's all gut, gut feel. Where you can track uh, you know, ancillary running backs, how many starts you had versus the, 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 your, your league mates. So all these types of things can be a lot more trackable than you think. And it's funny too. I, I found some stuff just along that line. You can look in, you can, I mean, you can go wild in terms of some of the stuff in MFL, like you can go really uh, deep. But one of the things that I found was uh, in tight end premium formats, I play a lot of two PPRs. People were starting my wide receiver scoring was always amongst the bottom of the league because I wasn't starting many of them. Right. So when you look there, you're like, well, I'm weak at wide receiver, but in reality, I just wasn't playing that many. Right. And so when you adjusted it, right. Right. I wasn't flexing them. And so when you actually adjusted for flexing them, I was league average. And what I was doing was just bludgeoning people with tight ends. Right. I'm running up a, a two or three point, per game advantage each time I start a tight end over the wide receivers that everyone else is starting that and adds up to really big was difference. probably less than the requisite wide receiver profile 
that they were trying to get 13, 14, 15 points per game from, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and you can also check the other thing too. Like you talk about the running back stuff. I was actually surprised. I started a, a limited number of running backs last year, as opposed to what I would have thought because I did. The tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And the tight ends. Plus like you got, you got good seasons out of guys like Jacobs and, you know, people that were in our orbit of guys that having a lot in there. I was surprised that at, at, that number again i don't think that's predictive of the future i would suspect it'll be a lot higher next year but you know when you ask people how many people do you start in a in a 10-man roster i think people think you're going to start you know 30 you know 30 guys at some point during the season uh it was actually like 18 right so it was actually not that many people that i that i actually put your, in my you got your auto starts right that's another yeah, thing right you track right. this you're like how about i get more auto like people uh, you get constant questions of man you know lineup decisions are hard it's like well what if we made them easier like what if your actual lineup was much easier to set because you have six seven guys where you're like oh yeah i'm starting them like matchup questionable whatever they're in my lineup then you might have one rotational spot really like what can really happen outside of buys or injuries because you're not streaming, essentially. You're like, ah, you're, you're, you're twisting your mustache about uh, this matchup or that matchup. No, you got three auto-start wide receivers. You got a couple uh, workhorse running backs. Like, what if you just work on improving your lineup, you know, during the course of the offseason? Make it easier. The key key underrated point. Um, so on the premium side of, of Dynasty Think Tank, uh, we you've been putting out uh, previews, we, little team previews there of some of our running back breakdowns. Get the whole thing on the premium side. So you want it? You, you can you can just binge. You know we're already through the AFC. You come through this week on the AFC West. Huge discussion. You know we used to do all thirty two teams in one show, and eventually we started breaking it out. Now it's by division. It's I don't know goofy. how we did that, by the way. I like know I it'd be like a two hour no session. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we, yeah, we would need hydration in the middle. We we'd need uh, an IV like as we were going through uh, on, uh, and that was like weekly in season. So that's how we cut our teeth. And now we're to the point where it's for the patrons. And uh, again, going through, you're getting a little preview, you know, by the week we're getting, you're getting one team, but you want all 32 and we're going through the summer. It's the perfect time to break it down in depth like that. But also you're getting stuff like after hours, you know, you're getting discussions that are football adjacent, sometimes very football specific, sometimes life uh, specific. And, and you're going to get, get under the hood for us and get us talking about some other subjects as well as patrons. We we've had a great ramp up in the first uh, checks watch six, seven weeks since we've debuted the channel. And again, thanks to everybody. But if you want more than this weekly free show, uh, please support us and sign up there. We got a couple different tiers for what you're going to get on Dynasty Think Tank over there on Patreon. And I didn't mention it directly. Patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank just to make sure you get there after listening to this show. So that's going to do it on the weekly show. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us at Chad Parsons NFL at McNamara Dynasty on our platforms you've got our own dynasty content at analyticsofdynasty.com and uthdynasty.com make sure to unlock your ceiling and seek elite results 